Well, happy unofficial, I think it is, unofficial fall. Uh, this morning I woke up early to bring Natalie to work, and I actually had to put the heat on and the defrost. So I knew that uh, fall had come, and, and, and not too long after I got home, Alice and I talked about we need to order firewood. So I know that uh, fall is, is around the corner, and we come into Sundays like this where, uh, as Ben has already uh, reminded us, it's Mission Sunday, and next week we're going to be talking vision and, and fall kickoff. Uh, and uh, some of my favorite Sundays uh, of the year are, are these two here. Uh, I had a job that I was working on this summer, uh, books, they still are made, uh, for a science project, and uh, I made student guides and teacher guides for some scientific kit that was being put together uh, in the States uh, at a place in Rochester, and I was doing 48 different books, and it carried me through the summer. In fact, we're still working on it now, Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to tour the facility that was putting these kits together, and they're actually occupying space uh, in the old Kodak buildings in, in Rochester, and they got about a 200,000 square foot space, and I thought I was really involved in this project, doing 48 different books, and I found out that there's 2,600 different components that make up all these kits, and they're sent across the world to schools and colleges and uh, different places, and they put all these different things in these kits, and I was just overwhelmed, and it was so well organized, and they had all these um, areas where they had all these things piled, and books, and balls, and anything that you think could be maybe some of the stuff you use for VBS, it was in this warehouse. And so it was all so well organized, and I was overwhelmed through this maze and looking at all this stuff. And we came to the middle of this area and there was this huge setup of tables. And on the table were all these different components. So I guessed that that was probably where they were going to put kits together. And there must have been about 100 people standing around these tables. But they weren't working. They were standing there. Some of them were talking to each other. Some were sitting up on the tables, listening to music on their phone. Uh, Others uh, were leaning against some pallets of of product a little bit away from the tables. Some had a ball, and they were kind of tossing it back and forth. And I said to the lady that was taking me through the warehouse, this place is so well organized. It it looks like it's a a well-oiled machine. What are they doing? What's their purpose? Why are some of them doing this? Why are some of them doing that? Why are there some of them sitting on the table? Why are some of them playing with the product? And she said to me, well, Brent, they haven't been told what they're to do yet. And I thought, it's kind of like one of those reality shows, you know, way back to Candid Camera, but a lot of the reality shows that we see on TV and YouTube where you put a person or a bunch of people into a room with some things that they're not really quite sure what they're to do with, and it's kind of funny to watch them try to figure things out or just sit there and, and, and the comments that they might make. But then it made me think of today and a reality. And it reminded me that where there is a lack of clarity or question regarding purpose, anything becomes a possibility for our energy, our time, uh, and our focus. And as I thought about that, I realized it's not just true in specific situations like that where you get a bunch of workers and put them around a table with a bunch of product and don't tell them what they're to do, and you'll watch them all find something to do and find something to focus on, but it's true in our personal life. 
And I think it's true in the life of the church that where there's a lack of clarity regarding purpose, when we question our purpose as an individual, as a church, anything and everything becomes a possibility for our time, for our energy, and for our focus. And those questions of purpose are some of the most important questions that we have to ask. As an individual, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? Why has God placed me as a follower of Jesus where he has placed me? What's my purpose? And the same is true when it comes to a church. What's our purpose? Why are we here? Why has God placed the believers here at Auburn Bible Chapel on Armour Road in this part of Peterborough in Ontario at this time? What is our purpose? And as I said, the reality is if we're not clear of what our purpose is, if we have lots of questions about, as Ben was talking about, our mission, then anything and everything becomes a possibility for our time and our energy and our focus. But there's a problem. We only have limited time, limited energy, and we can only focus on so many things. And so where we, when we lack clarity and where there are questions, unfortunately, you will find individuals and you'll even find churches who are spending months and months and years and years of energy and resources and focus on things in the big picture that don't really matter a whole lot and don't move us as individuals and don't move us as a church in the right direction. You know, there's a person in, in Scripture who understood what his purpose was. He didn't always understand his purpose. In fact, for the first part of his life, uh, he was really misfocused. And uh, he had another purpose until God showed him that that purpose wasn't really his purpose in life. And that's the Apostle Paul. If you were to ask him about these questions, Paul, what's your purpose? Why has God put you here in this time and in this place? He could give some really definite answers about his purpose. If you got your Bible there, just grab a Bible uh, in the pew. Really briefly, um, I just want to go to, yes, Daryl, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I know. One day I'll find a passage that I don't really like, but Acts 26. And this is actually a continuation of two or three chapters uh, of a story of Paul having a bunch of, of, of his own Jewish people wanting to kill him. Uh, and Paul uh, being taken into custody uh, and questioned by one governor who doesn't want to release him because he kind of wants to stay in good with the, uh, the Jewish people. Uh, and he's succeeded by another governor. And these governors can't really find anything wrong with what Paul... Paul was preaching that Jesus had risen from the dead. And that really offended some of his Jewish people. Uh, but these governors, I don't really understand what the issue is. And Paul made an appeal to Rome so they couldn't just throw him back to the Jewish people uh, so that they could kill him. And so eventually Paul makes his way uh, before King Agrippa and his sister Bernice who happened to be visiting. Uh, and Paul in chapter 26 uh, in verse 12, he starts talking about how he received his mission, his purpose uh, from God. In fact, if you go back to verse 9, 
Paul talks about how there was a time in his life when he didn't really understand what his purpose was, and he was really misguided. And Paul says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Then we come to verse 12. And this is, this, this is the change in Paul's life. He met Jesus, the one he was trying to persecute, the one who he thought was diluted, and anyone who followed him was diluted, who thought he was an imposter, and that anyone that would follow him was crazy. It says, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And goads, it's a, it's a, it's a board with spikes. And if you were training an ox to uh, partner with another ox in a yoke, you would put this board behind the ox. And so when it would kick and not cooperate, it would kick these spikes. And it would learn pretty quick that, wow, kicking is not a good idea. It's, it's futile. It hurts. I'm going to go along with being in this yoke uh, and, and, and help the farmer out. And, and what Jesus is saying to Paul is, Paul, why, why are you fighting me? Why are you trying to run away from me? It's futile when you should be following me and, and, and adopting the purpose that I have for you life. And then verse 15, Paul says, Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. And that is such a radical verse. Because Paul thought Jesus was crazy. He, he, like I said, Jesus was an imposter. And now here he is having a conversation with the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And then we hear God giving Paul his mission. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith and me. And so Jesus saying, Paul, I'm saving you from the world so I can send you back into the world. You are going to be my witness. You are going to testify about what you know and what you have seen and what you will see and what you will hear concerning me so that those far from God will come back from God. And so Paul understood it. That was his mission. He had been saved so that he could go back into the world that he was saved from to share the good news of Jesus with those people. You know, and I read this story and I often go, wow, wouldn't it be so great if we could have a Damascus Road experience? Especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus, and yet we've got a lot of questions concerning our purpose. Why are we here? 
What does God really want me to do with my life? What does He want me to be involved in? Where does He want my focus to be? It was so easy for Paul because like Jesus just laid it out right before him. And if we could just have that kind of Damascus Road experience where Jesus appears to us and makes it plain, answers all of our questions, it would be so much easier. But Paul was special, right? Like he was kind of unique. We can't really expect to have that Damascus Road experience. Or can we? So I want to suggest to you that for each one of us, this, the Word of God, is our Damascus Road experience. It's where we're confronted by Jesus. It's where Jesus reveals himself to us. It's where Jesus reveals what he's done for us. It's where Jesus reveals to us who we are and what we're like and what we're like without him. And as Ben said earlier, it's in God's word, our Damascus Road experience, where consistently and clearly what's laid before us is God's mission. And how God wants us to be involved in his mission with him, to partner with him. And so we could go to the end of Matthew where we see the Great Commission, where Jesus says, I have all authority and power and I'm sending you. And I want you to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of Jesus. Or we go to what Paul himself wrote in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world, restoring relationship. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us, us, those of us who have been made new in Christ, he has given to us the message of reconciliation. How people can have a restored relationship with God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Like, and we're questioning, what's our purpose? We're Christ's ambassadors. Can there, not be any, or can there be anything greater than knowing that we are Christ's ambassadors? We are his witnesses. We are called to testify of his goodness, of his grace, of his glory. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I love how Paul uh, continues into chapter 6 as God's co-workers. What a title. And that's a title that each one of us who is a follower of Jesus can use for ourselves. We're God's co-worker. As Ben said, we're part of God's mission. And what I love about this Sunday is that we get to hear from people who were involved this summer in doing just that. In various ministries, ministries that are just summer long, some that continue all year long, and are having the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited that we get to hear from some this morning who are going to share with us not only what they did, but they're going to share how they saw God at work. 
And then there's another question that I've asked the people who are sharing to focus on uh, if they choose, because uh, I think it's really important. And that is, how are you praying and how can we pray that God would continue the work that began this summer or that's been going on all year long? How can we pray into the future that God would continue to do His work? You know, I had the privilege uh, just as I guess a week and a half ago, uh, to take uh, Maria's, where, Maria, where did you go? Oh, there you are, Maria's uh, husband's funeral. And uh, after the service, one of the things I said to Maria and her family, I don't know anyone that's going to be at this funeral. There's just a very few people. Uh, and after the service, I'm sitting talking to this young man that came up to me, and I realized I counseled him at Joy Bible Camp when I was about 20 years old. And I bumped into him three or four years ago, and he's a youth pastor in Durham. I said, what are you doing here? How do you know Alan and Maria? And he said, well, you know, when I was young, I came from a very poor family. And Alan and Maria sponsored me to go to Joy Bible Camp. And I realized, 30-something years later, here I am bumping into a guy who's now a youth pastor. Because a work began when he was eight or nine years old, being sent to Joy Bible Camp because someone was willing to serve serve with their finances. And so we're going to hear stories. I encourage you all to join with what each one of these people has done and pray them into the future. Because God's word, the work for God doesn't return void. And God is at work. And we can expect that God is going to do great things. So I'm going to ask the people to come up. They know the order that they're there to come up. Brian is going to start. uh, And uh, then Ben will end uh, and transition us back into the praise team. And if you want to use this, or you can use the cordless. Well, it, I'm sure it's nothing new for most of you involved with uh, hockey ministries, uh, hockey camps throughout the summer. I did three this year. Um, don't usually go to, uh, to Pittsburgh, but uh, hockey ministry runs about... 22, 25, maybe up to now, uh, camps internationally uh, in Europe, U.S., and Canada. And I, I got a call um, a week and a half before the Pittsburgh camp asking me if I could uh, help out at that camp. I'm the camp director at the, the Bramford, Ontario camp, and um, uh, I usually go down uh, most summers down to Moncton, New Brunswick, and help out uh, at that camp. So I did three, uh, three camps this summer. And uh, what a blessing. I mean, you know, Brent shared his, his kind of personal uh, you know, involvement with camps, you know, so many years ago. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure who's all involved uh, in hockey, and not hockey camps, but in summer camps. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the purpose of the camps is to bring kids closer to God. And we don't know where they're coming from uh, when they uh, are dropped off on Sunday. And, but we get these kids, and, uh, and, and it's our job to, uh, to love these kids, to teach them uh, more about hockey, but more importantly, to teach them more about God. And it is, uh, uh, it is a true blessing. Um, let, let me start, first of all, with... Our camps are run totally by volunteers. And if we don't get volunteers, we don't run camp. And it's, as a camp director in Brantford, uh, you know, 
that falls on my shoulders. That's kind of one of my big stress things is making sure that we have uh, a pro proper amount of volunteers. And these people that volunteer their lives um, uh, to God and, and give us one week at hockey camp is unbelievable. The dedication. Um, just quickly, uh, one of the counselors, uh, Dave is his name. I think he's been, he, uh, I think it's about 10 or 11 years that he's been volunteering uh, consecutively as a counselor at the camps. And um, recently, uh, when the Heinz plant down in Leamington uh, shut down, Dave lost his job. And um, Dave didn't know if he was going to be able to come back to camp uh, because he had to find a new job. And Dave got a new job. That didn't work out. And he had to switch jobs again. I think it was about a month before camp started. We, didn't, we weren't expecting Dave. We still had a counselor spot open that we were trying to fill. And Dave got this new job. And one of the things he went to his new employer and said, I really want to work for you, but I need this week off for camp. I know I'm a new employee, but I've been doing this camp for so long, I really need it off. And that and his new employee gave him the week off for camp. That's his level of dedication to take one of his vacation weeks and give that to camp. And then this year, I think it was the Friday before camp started, Dave's, Dave all of a sudden sends me a message. He goes, uh, pray for me. He says, I just got uh, a chemical burn on my face. It's affected my eye. Um, you know, pray for the situation. I'm like, oh no, we're gonna lose a, a counselor two days before camp starts. And then he uh, he texts me later that day and said, uh, I'm I'm doing good, uh, no significant damage. See you Sunday at camp. And so here's Dave. Fortunately, it wasn't too bad, but you know, uh, his eye was bloodshot from the from the treatment and a little bit of burn on his face coming. Um, he could so easily have said, you know what, I need to. I need to bow out of camp and take care of myself. But he is there um, because he's dedicated to serving God and sharing the love of Christ uh, with these kids. And, uh, I don't know exact numbers, but approximately in the three camps that I did, there was 60 to 68 kids at each of the camps. So, you know, 180 kids or whatever. We... I w try not to get caught up in numbers, but we had 70 to 80 kids except Christ. That's what camp's about. And some of those kids are going back to homes that aren't Christian homes. Some of those kids are going back and we don't know what's happening. I might have shared this already, but Thursday night at camp, um, the kids get to share. We do an open mic. And one of our longtime campers, 16 years old, uh, probably his last year at camp, he, uh, he's, he, he squeezed in kind of late. We were almost full of camp. He was one of the late registrations. This past year, so he did camp a year ago. Then in October, his father passed away. February, his grandmother passed away. And he got up to the mic, and a 16-year-old boy, and he shared his heart for probably five to ten minutes, 
just giving a, an awesome testimony, and it's great to hear. Um, you know, so I guess my kind of my challenge, um, one of the things I ask you to pray for is pray that we continue to get the volunteers we needed. Josh Lott stepped up this year, came down to camp to help us out. Dave and Amanda Young, are, um, Jones, not Young, sorry. Dave and Amanda Jones, uh, they even brought little baby Ruth with them because they wanted to help out at, help out at camp, and we, you know, we, we made all that work. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's great to see people dedicated and sacrificing, and we need people, not just our camp, all the summer camps. And uh, my challenge to you is, uh, what sacrifice are you making? Because like I said, some of, our, some of our volunteers are giving up, they don't really get vacation pay, they're giving up a week's salary. They have a, re- a retail job, a minimum wage job, and, and they're making that sacrifice. And, and that may not be what you're called to, but what sacrifice are you making for the Lord as you, uh, as you look to serve that uh, his gospel message can go out because he's still in the business of saving people. Thanks. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Amanda Volk, and I'm the Junior Youth Program Coordinator for Peterborough Youth Unlimited. And so how we partner with God throughout the summer is we run summer camps for kids anywhere age 6 to 13. Um, We had to change our typical look of camp this year because we couldn't hire summer students to help us. So instead of running full weeks of camp, we did days of camp and tried to get kids connected to other camps like Hope Valley or... Um, which is the only one people went to, but Joy or Graphite if they wanted to do an overnight. Um, And so we were able just to connect with the whole family, um, usually once a week. We would offer to pick up kids if they needed or drop them off at home. Uh, A lot of our families don't have vehicles, so that made it more accessible for them. And then whenever we do have camp, we would make sure to tell them about God, whether it is a formal sit-down talk time, a Bible story, a lesson, uh, relate it to... uh, today's day and age so that they understand what we're trying to teach them um, to if we just took a kid out for ice cream ask them what's your favorite bible story you've ever heard from us or if they were a little older maybe what do you believe in and uh, where does your faith lie um, so we had definitely many highlights of the summer but one that you might not think of is I'm going to share is because it happened with a parent and not a youth. So we're really trying to reach out to the whole family. And this mother has made it known over the years I've known her that she has nothing to do with God, and but she is completely open to anyone else, including her kid, um, exploring faith and religion if that is what they choose. Um, so she walks up to me to pick up her kid one day, and out of nowhere says, I have a question for you, but it might be rude. And I'm thinking, this could go in so many different directions. <laughs> but her question was, will you pray for my friend? And that was so impactful at that time, knowing this person um, and what they, their belief is in. But throughout the summer, I made it a point of going and talking with parents, um, specifically and sharing what God was doing for us at Youth Unlimited, and how our prayers have been answered. And even though I didn't 
come out and maybe tell them things outright, they knew that I believed in the power of prayer, and this mother asked me to pray. Um, moving forward to into the fall, the work that we are continuing is we will be doing fall programming and changing that up a bit as well. So just pray that the kids we did connect with this summer, we will be able to see them again, uh, that more kids will come out. We'll just be able to teach more kids about Christ and what he has to do with their lives. And especially pray for this mother who asked me to pray for her friend. Um, God did not answer her prayers in the way that she wanted them to, which is really hard for her to step out in faith like that but just that this whole conversation will be able to go from there. So I just have a Bible verse I wanted to share with you that I've been thinking about a lot this summer. It's from Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So, so often, any of us in mission, whether it's our job or not, um, we think that the more work we do, then God will work through us. But sometimes... It's needed that we just step back and let God do the work on his own. Uh, so this year, well, this summer, um, I was at Hope Valley along with um, many other people, including my brother and Graham. Um, and uh, specifically, I was, uh, this was my first time at Hope Valley, and I was working in the teens program, um, and it was, it was really cool. Um, one of the things that we do is we do a Devo um, throughout the two weeks that the team program happens on, and um, we, this year we did it on the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and uh, and the kids really got into it. It was really cool for them to uh, talk about it and see the allegories that are within the movie. Um, and like they watch a little clip of the movie every day. And at one point, one of the kids went, that's it. I'm not coming back. I'm just going to go home and watch the rest of the movie because I can't handle another cliffhanger. <laughs> um, but it was, really, it was really funny. I chuckled and I went, no, 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 you got to come back. And they did come back. Um, the next day, but um, just also in the discussion time, um, there was a lot of really big questions, and um, and both uh, Noah and myself really found it a big blessing, because we were getting the questions that every teen wants to ask, but they don't actually have anyone to ask besides the parents, and it's really awkward to ask your parents these questions, um, and so Noah and I were able to just speak into their lives, um, along with the third person in the teens program named Steve. And, um, and we were really able to see uh, kids wrestling with what it is they believe in and, um, and figuring out where this whole God thing fits in and how God actually does um, speak into our daily lives. Um, from the camp overall, I wasn't involved with a lot of the... Um, with the, like the kids part because I was in teens but I can tell you that at least um, 25 uh, children throughout the entire summer um, did decide to accept Christ as their savior um, but the big thing is is that uh, this year 90% um, there was a 90% decrease in disciplinary, disciplinary action um, which is amazing um, because there are kids who are coming from, they are coming from broken homes. They're coming from where the only time that they get 
any attention at all is when they do something super stupid or they get in giant trouble at school. That's the only time they get attention. Um, and part of that was through the, uh, the new quiet corner that we had uh, where the old craft room was. And, um, and there were kids who would go and they would see Mrs. Kearney and uh, she'd talk to them, calm them down, give them a space to just... Um, and then they could take home a Bible. Um, and it, like the very last day of camp, very, very last day of camp, there was one little girl who she ran out of the vehicle that her parents were picking her up in, and she went, can I go get a Bible for my sister? My sister needs a Bible. And I went, yep, yeah, go for it. And so uh, her sister was able to get a Bible, which was really awesome. Um, the one thing that I want to ask that you pray for um, is pray for the kids who are searching, pray for the kids who have accepted, um, because camp is great, camp is awesome, but camp can only last one or two weeks, and it's the rest of the year that really makes a difference. So just pray that there is somebody in their lives who will reach out, or that they will know that there are people in churches who will help support them and uh, just guide them through everything that they're going through. Well, good morning. I'm Helen DeLuna. I run the, I'm the director of the uh, Peterborough Pregnancy Support Services. And uh, it started here, uh, right at the back, 11 years ago, when I decided to apply for the job. So I've been uh, in the pregnancy center for 11 years. But anyway, uh, I said when uh, Brent asked, uh, like summer, our, our work is not just in summer, right? So, but then I said, this really... Uh, God's timing is everything, right? Uh, for 11 years, I've been praying uh, for, because we've been trying to, uh, to offer medical services. And uh, I've been praying to God, and there's no answer, it seems, until last summer. Uh, it all started when, uh, in the spring, actually, we have to postpone our gala for the first time because of the storm. And so we postpone it and move it to another date. Um, we're, we're, we're thankful to God because all our, most of our guests were able to make it to the following week. And then, but then after that, I had to go to Niagara Falls to, for a conference. And I said, okay, God, <laughs> this is a really busy week. And, and so, so we've been praying for an ultrasound. And I said, where are we going to get the 35,000, 35, We, we uh, applied for grants and... Uh, and other resources, but we didn't get it. And so I said, okay, we, we, God, we really needed that 15000 for a ramp. But that didn't happen. It's still not happening. But uh, when I was at the conference, we met a guy who owned uh, several uh, sonography uh, clinics all across Canada, especially in Ontario. And uh, we approached him. And then that last July, which is summer, uh, he said, Helen, I've got an ultrasound for you. <laughs> and the good thing is we don't have to pay for it. It's, that's thirty five to 45000 more than we asked for the 15000 We still need that 15000 but it's okay. <laughs> so we now have an ultrasound, 
at the, uh, the pregnancy, uh, we call it now pregnancy care clinic. We hired a nurse, and um, we have a medical director, but we're still working on other aspects of it. But we, our nurse is now in training for ultrasound. And that is a very, very important um, uh, update. And we are really thank thankful to God. And even uh, Brent's uh, message this morning is very timely because uh, uh, pregnancy centers are being persecuted. We have a Paul in the pregnancy center before Paul became a Christian, a follower of Christ. And I will really be bold this morning to say that her name is Kathy Dawson. And please pray for her. Uh, she is like the Paul before the Damascus. Uh, her mission this year and the last years is to uh, take all the pregnancy centers all across Canada. That is her mission. So please pray that Kathy Dawson will become a Paul, will come across that Damas Jesus at the Damascus Road uh, experience of Paul. Because uh, uh, Daryl had actually given me, uh, a forward me, forwarded me a link uh, because the Nova Scotia uh, Pregnancy Center is under investigation for, you know, inaccurate information, which is not really accurate. But um, um, CTV, uh, CBC is running, is also persecuting pregnancy centers. So please pray for those stations because they really, I'm sorry, but they really uh, are, are, um, are persecuting and, and, give, and giving the pregnancy centers a, uh, a hard time investigating. But um, one of the clinics in Nova Scotia was already kicked out of the school, we're, we're under, and they're still investigating. So it's not fair. So just pray, pray for that, because um, our work, we know our work is very important, not only here in Peterborough, but all across Canada. Because one in four uh, who, who sits in the pews of the churches have had an abortion. So uh, when we were singing uh, mercies, please give them mercy because they need forgiveness. And only God can give that forgiveness. We know that. So, sorry, just pray for them. Thank you. Okay, so I, uh, I'm going to be very short in sharing what I have to share with you guys. I've actually had the opportunity uh, to do a few things over this summer. Um, uh, I got to be a part of the uh, hockey ministry camp uh, in uh, Brantford. I also got to be a part of uh, the Mistisney camp, uh, which is up in northern Quebec. Uh, I got to go up with Ben and his team up there. Um, and so there's, a, and then I'm also involved with Youth Unlimited. I work there, so I, I get to be a part of a lot of the stuff that we're doing over the, over the summer there. And so instead of going into depth about a lot of this stuff, because you guys are going to hear, you've already heard about hockey ministries, and you're going to hear about Mistisney and Nemska. But I just want to share um, just one, like, one theme that I've realized uh, over my time uh, spending with uh, these camps and uh, being a part of these different ministries. And it is this theme um, of, of hopelessness that is here. Um, 
And so uh, while we were up in Mistisni, uh, particularly Mistisni, you got to see a lot of hopelessness within the kids. Uh, that they don't know, uh, they don't know uh, what it means to be loved. They don't know what it means to be provided for. And they think they have to do a lot of it on their own. And so, uh, and so this was also the case with hockey ministries. When, we were, when I was there with my group of kids, that we'd, we'd go into our devotions and we'd start talking. I'd start sharing with them about Jesus. And um, they would they'd kind of turn to me and they're like, like, we've heard this stuff before. But like, we've, never, we've never been impacted by it. And I'm like, like, didn't you guys grow up in church? And so, like, yeah, 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 but we've never heard this. I'm like, well, like, let me share with you the hope that Jesus gives you. And so while I was at hockey, uh, hockey ministries in Brantford, I got the opportunity to have six out of seven of my campers come to know Jesus. S- six of those, uh, when I turned to them and, they, and I, I asked them, like, so this is a decision that you want to make? And they're like, they're all like, yes. I'm like, okay, I want to say to you guys, like, this is a journey that you're going to take, and there's going to be times where it's going to get hard, and it's going to get rough, and it's going to feel like you, like you almost don't have any hope. But there's hope is given to you, and hope is always poured out onto you because of Jesus. And so uh, uh, I reminded them and said to them, okay, guys, you have... You have to find someone in your life to encourage you. And these kids are all from different hockey teams, and they, they kind of look around each other, and they're like, just like, like, well, we'll encourage each other. We'll keep in contact with each other. Like, we'll ask each other these questions and making sure we're stay, staying true and reminding each other of the hope that we have. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And so uh, they, all, they all exchanged numbers and emails and stuff like that. I don't know why young kids like that have cell phones, but... I'm a youth pastor, and I still wonder why. Um, Anyways, and so it's the reminder that we are ambassadors for Christ. Every single person here that has chosen to make a decision to follow him are ambassadors. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5. And so we have to live like that. We have to live with that title as we walk into this world. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm Melanie. Ah, I see, I see. Well, I'll, I'll try and give you a segue, too. It'll be all good. So, uh, my name is Melanie Martin, and um, I am a school teacher, but uh, also this summer felt led to, um, to work on a VBS. I had done a mini VBS at my parents' trailer, and, and uh, one day as I was praying and thinking. God's like, well, why don't you do one at VB at, uh, at Auburn? I'm like, what? That's like way bigger than doing a little one at, at my parents' trailer. But I was like, okay, well, um, it was confirmed. One of the things that helped, I talked with Noemi at a prayer thing that, or thing that we were at, and she's like, oh, I was thinking about a VBS too. So she was thinking next year, and I'm like, I don't know. There was just this urgency. I was like, no, no, we got to do it this year. So it got pulled together really fast. And uh, the one thing that that I was like still on the fence, on the fence, and I said, okay, God, I'm just going to put it out there, 
And if I don't get anyone to help me, I'm sorry, God, but I'm not running it by myself. <laughs> so, so then I, I put it out there and like ping, 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 ping before the day was done. I had like three and four people going, oh, yeah, let's go, let's go. I was like, okay, yay, there we go. So uh, it was amazing. Um, uh, so that's what I partnered with God with this summer. Uh, where did I see him at work? Absolutely uh, in the relationship with the kids. The, the, the team that came together is incredible. That's the second thing. I'll talk about that in a second. But um, we focused on these kids, on loving on these kids, on getting to know them and, and building relationship with them. And um, the God moment that I want to share is uh, there was one girl, and she was on my heart. I was like, i got to figure out how to get to know this girl, but kept missing opportunity, opportunity. And at the end of camp, the last day, there's this little note that she had, and I actually rescued it from the... the fruit salad that we were having that day but then I gave it back to her and I didn't know that she had it in mind she gave it she went and gave it to Stella one of our one of our the volunteers she was in the craft room and it was just this precious precious thing I hadn't got a chance and I was like oh no I didn't get a chance I was like I didn't need to get a chance that was not my job she was connecting with Stella so I just and there was another young boy who had uh, a lot of difficulties uh, um, getting focused and being able to stay in the in the in, in the thing and he had to be outside of the activity at one point and Randy came along had this wonderful conversation was able to pray with this young man and I was just like oh this is so super cool so I think that the that one of the main things that came out of it was the team that came together yes we were connecting with those kids but the team it was just amazing and so uh, what I'm asking you to pray for is uh, God is a big God and and um, I believe that he has a vision for the community that's around Auburn and so I just pray that you will just help us to dream and vision how we can attract kids and uh, families from our community to um, to come to Auburn to be a part of our family. So that's that's the big prayer. Um, many people didn't get a chance to see, but it's 11:30, so I'm thinking we kind of got to ixnay the video. But what we'll do is um, maybe after the last song of the worship team, we can throw the video up for anyone who wants to see it. Okay. So that was camp, and here comes another camp. Thank you, Mel. Since 2012, I've had the privilege of being able to help with summer camps for First Nations teens and preteens in northern Quebec in two different communities. And it's something that a lot of Auburnites have been involved in. Each year, I'd say about half of the people who help out with these camps are from Auburn. The other half are from a work that I do at Trent University and, and a few from Ottawa. And, uh, and uh, this year, there were some very exciting things that happened. In, in particular, like any good youth worker, I, I finally learned to embrace my inner rock star. Uh, Alex, I'm waiting for the picture. There we go. <laughs> quite, quite seriously, though, we had about 80 campers come over the course of three different weeks. We had uh, probably about 20 different leaders involved in it. And for me, one of the real honors, the thing that I get to see happening that a lot of other people don't get, is I get to see how God is working in the lives of the leaders and through them, because I get to be part of the big picture of everything that's coming together. And two in particular that stood out to me, moments that I thought God really using leaders from in this place. Uh, and in fact, can I just get everybody who was involved in the camps to put up their hands, just so that we see this is at least four or five people who have been here. Um, and so two, two memories that stand out for me as I was preparing this. One was Josh doing 140 push-ups to earn chocolate for different campers. He did them in sets of 10, and each time he did a set of 10, a camper got 
some chocolate, and it was a portrait of Christ's love for us, paying the price for our blessings, right? Uh, and alongside that, Alicia came north with us, and uh, she's been studying worship leadership at Master's Bible College, and this was her first time being the solo worship leader for something like this. And at the beginning of the week, you could tell she was easing into it and getting a feel, and the campers were getting a feel, and a lot of them were kind of sitting quietly, not sure how to get involved and stuff. And by the end of the week, this is what the worship looked like. I'll just give you a little glimpse. I think maybe my favorite moment was there was one song they were singing so aggressively and loudly that actually Alicia could not sing loud enough for me to hear what was going on. And so I was following the campers, not her, when it came to when we were switching slides and stuff. And Alicia was looking at me like, what are you doing? So anyways, that was a pretty fun memory. I'm going to also invite John up to come share his personal experience about what took place up there before I kind of wrap us off for the service. Thanks, Ben. Uh, so I was at Nemska uh, this summer for two weeks. Um, the previous two summers I'd been to Mysticeny, so that was an interesting uh, change for me. Um, so uh, one of the uh, the stories that I wanted to tell uh, that happened at camp, um, the weather was something that clearly God was at work because it, it was changing so rapidly. But the one the one night. Uh, there was uh, a midnight swim that was supposed to uh, be happening. And uh, I think it might have been just me, but maybe the other leaders were kind of thinking, oh, it's raining and we won't have to go out in the cold rain. Uh, so about a quarter to 12, the rain stopped. It's like, okay, so there's a different plan uh, here at work. So I thought, okay, well, I have to be prepared if somebody has an emergency in the water. So I got prepared to go in the water, but I had no plans of going into the water. But thankfully... Natalie uh, was um, a good representative for us, and she got in swimming. Um, but I was asked to take um, the camp director's uh, truck down to the water to shine the headlights over to the, uh, the swimming area. And uh, Ben took his truck and, and shone it from another angle. And so one of the, the uh, boys that was uh, there who seemed to be extremely involved, like the master of throwing people off the dock... He was sitting in the truck beside me, and I said, well, surely you're going to go for a swim. And he was just sitting there quietly, and he says, no, not tonight. I just don't uh, feel like getting out in the, the cold and the dark. And this was kind of a, a surprise to me. And so then there's a knock on the window, and I put the, the window down, and I became a towel rack and a, sh- a collector of shoes as the campers came by. And here, can you hold on to this? And it wasn't a question. It was more of they were asserting that I was going to do that. And so I'm sitting there, and the, the truck is getting warmer, and I'm thinking this is actually working out pretty good. But there's this quietness in the, in the truck, and uh, I'm not good at starting conversations. And so I'm kind of praying, you know, Lord, like, you know, what, what's the question that I should be asking here? And so I just kind of leaned over a little bit, and I said, so can you tell me a little bit about your family? Like realizing that in this this community, there's a lot of brokenness and uh, messiness in the families. And he opened up, and he told me stuff that like really surprised me about how uh, his dad was abusive to his mom, and then he, he left uh, their home, and then uh, his mom had somebody else that came and lived with them for a while, and he was actually worse than his dad, and his mom finally got rid of him, and then there was somebody else who wasn't as bad, uh, but still, as the, the years kind of went by, uh, this young man chose to live with his dad. And while that wasn't a, a great thing, it was some level of healing in his life. And 
I was rather blown away by this uh, the story that he was telling me, uh, and yet encouraged uh, to realize that um, he felt safe that he could share that, and somehow um, there was a, a, th- this environment that that he he felt that he could share. And, and so, I mean, as a team, we're clearly some people that are coming from a long distance away into their community, and with the the hope that as we bring a message of hope, um, that they would uh, find a way to heal um, with, with the help of God's Spirit moving, moving in them. And, uh, and, I, and I reflected on that a little bit, and I thought how uncomfortable I was that morning, uh, because Ben had asked each of the leaders, you know, as we could, to, to share our story. And so I'm kind of uncomfortable about the, the, the call to do that, but I thought, well, I, I did show up to serve, and so I shared my story and as, as much as I could about the, the messiness of my life. And uh, I, I couldn't help but think that as I kind of worked through that, and I thought, okay, that's over. Um, hope, hopefully that meant something to somebody. Like maybe that that helped to open the door for this, this young man to say, yeah, I got some messiness going on too. So um, I guess the thing that I would, I would ask for prayer for is, uh, and this is, this is in a little bit of a different direction, but that through my work that I would continue to be a, a, a bit of a support person for Ben with his, his vehicle and that sort of thing, um, because it's, it's a little messy at work sometimes to be able to find the time uh, and energy to do that. Um, but also that, that keeps me connected with the ministry um, and and then and to pray too uh, for Ben and the work that he's doing, um, in in that community and and it to me it's it's really amazing um, the the length of time um, when Ben got started and how he got started uh, his work in the community and that he is um, looking uh, not not just looking but is like actively. Uh, working on on more research and developing a mentoring program, um, so he can he can be connected with that community, and and not that he would be showing them the way to go, but to to show them a direction to go and and to walk beside them, um, because that's really I think the way life is lived and ministry is to be done is to to come alongside people, and um, I I feel so extremely blessed to to have been part of the camps and to see how Ben does what he does um, and and adjust the program to where he sees the need even uh, day by day through through the week for camp and working around the weather and having a plan b like it's it's really amazing uh, to me um, to see um, how God is at work uh, in in those communities and working through ben and and our community so I, I see that each one of us here um, are, are partnering and supporting uh, the ministry that, that, that Ben does. And I'm uh, so thankful to be part of that. So just continue to pray that that uh, uh, can be uh, moving forward as it has been. Uh, it, it's amazing to me. So thanks, Ben. Thanks, John. So I, 
I want to I mention that there's many, many more stories, and I try every year to capture some of them. And I do do a newsletter in the fall that kind of captures that, and they're sitting back on the missions board in the room behind the sanctuary here. So if anybody wants to grab one, there's probably another four or five stories that are pretty neat of how God has worked uh, through the camps this year. And as John mentioned, please pray for the leaders and the campers as they head back into normalcy this fall, and pray for the mentoring program that we're seeking to develop this year that will help the First Nations adults connect more deeply with the youth that are connected to these camps. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been an amazing work, and we appreciate all of the support that you've given us over the years. We are going to close off the service at this point in time.